This is S R One. Talkative. Wait for me, girl. Magazine on air. This is the live version of Wait For Me by Holland Oates. Maybe you've heard it before. Maybe you've heard just the uh, studio recording. I'm not sure. But if you haven't heard it, I recommend you take a listen. I always listen to Holland Oates this time of year. This uh, change in weather, autumn's coming, you know. It just <laughs> hits the spot for me. I agree. It's definitely road trip music oh, yeah. in my mind. <laughs> Speaking yeah. of road trips, actually, next week, you guys, we will oh. be recording live from Destin, Florida. That's true. I because forgot. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that crazy? It's next yeah. week already. Um, so we got that trip planned. So you get another Florida Florida recording. We did that again. We did that way back, uh, way back in May, I think. Yeah. But... <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but yeah, we are excited to have you here with us. This is Talkative here on Talkative. News Talk STL, a part of SR1 Sundays, every Sunday, 10 p.m. Well, I uh, wanted to start with something funny I saw. So, um, you know us and our love of rom-coms. <laughs> and surprisingly, a rom-com that I never hear anybody talk about, but that I have not seen in a long time but used to love is Fever Pitch. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Jimmy Fallon and Drew Barrymore. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know how much you've been paying attention to what's been going on with those two lately, but I saw somebody meme the cover of Fever Pitch, and (laughs) instead of saying Fever Pitch, it just says, everyone's mad at us. Oh, no. (laughs) Is it? What is it? Is it strike-related? Well, so Drew, yes. So here's what's up. Um, Drew Barrymore now has a talk show yeah um you've probably seen cringy videos of her you know <laughs> kneeling in front of you know everybody and sitting in audience members laps and holding their hands being very touchy-feely and awkward anyway she um is in hot water because she has decided to go ahead and start filming her fall season of the drew barrymore show while the writers guild is still on strike her show does employ writers from the writers guild of america um so people have been picketing outside as mm-hmm. they've gone into filming this because it it sends a message that she doesn't stand with the writers and i get it yeah i mean she you know yeah i don't know it's she's made previous statements that she does support their strike but clearly this sends a message otherwise so people are obviously irritated jimmy fallon is in hot water because apparently shocker another host of a show that's apparently a terrible boss oh no yeah so uh you know there's not really a whole lot of news on that front but i just think it's interesting because if you watch now all of a sudden more than ever there's a lot of clips of him circulating, you know, interviewing guests and stuff and just looking disinterested as all hell, like <laughs> fake laughing. Oh, ha, 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 ha. You know, and it's like, dude, like there's one particular clip I saw of him in an interview with Blake Lively that was, 
a few years old, whatever. And she's talking, you know, she's very down to earth, it yeah. seems, in most of her interviews. And her, you know, cute little story was something about one of her kids. And it looks like he is just about to fall a freaking sleep the whole time Blake is talking. And then he, you know, ah, ha, ha, laughs when it's appropriate. But yeah. it just comes across so rude. And so for me to hear that he's a bad boss is not really that shocking. I don't yeah, know. I don't know. I never really watched his show, but I... I do know it, he likes to participate a lot with the guests, which mm-hmm. could be seen as like fun and engaging. To me, I always read it a little more as like um, self-absorbed, like kind of like I, I can't just let the star do their thing. I got to get in on it. Like I yeah. got to do my thing. I don't know. You know but, who I've actually seen that's actually very horrible at that? Surprisingly horrible? It's no. Kelly Clarkson on her show. Oh. I don't know if you've seen like clips of her talk show circulating. Not really. It's painful to watch. And every video I see, the comments underneath are always like, would she just let this person freaking talk? Oh. She cuts them off. And then she t- like segues into a, a personal story. And it's, <sighs> I mean, it's the Kelly Clarkson show. And it sure is. Like, Oh, no. I just think it's, I've never thought had thoughts about her one way or another really but it makes her come across as not super likable because it's just like well, that's just, just like talk show host one-on-one i would think yeah like some, is somebody not coaching her at all i guess not <laughs> I, well i mean she's got a lot of money maybe you know i, I think you're allowed to tell everybody to stick it when you can pay them to just shut up so i, uh, I don't know but anyway drew barrymore J- jimmy fallon coincidentally and hot water together and i just thought that was really that is, funny yeah that's funny um so I have a follow-up. Last week, we had talked about the Danny Masterson uh, rape sentencing. Yeah. And part of that story was that Mila Kunis and Ashton Kutcher had written letters, character letters, um, in support of their, you know, relationship and friendship of 25 years with Danny and just what he was like and how they, you know, looked to him as a mentor and a friend and yada, yada. Well, since that time, go figure, uh, people are ticked off at the two of them for supporting quote unquote supporting a rapist right Mm -hmm. it's like okay well in my opinion they know him as a person they do not know of these alleged crimes necessarily what they what they can speak to is what he's like as a guy on the streets and what he's like you know day to day as a co-worker as a Friend. friend yeah you know and that's the extent of it and so they're that's what their you know letters are for well, one of the celebrities that's come out against them, go figure, Kathy Griffin. Mm. Oh, wow. Hot take from her. This is new and different. Wow. Here's what she said. And I thought this was just the most wild thing I'd ever heard. So she revealed that she had called the police. Kathy Griffin had called the police on her pedophile brother after learning of his crimes as she criticized Mila and Ashton's support for Danny Masterson. And here's the quote. It was a horrible, horrible thing. And I tried to get him caught. And that was my brother. Okay. Well, that's Whoa. a different scenario. Because if that implies that she was certain he was committing a crime. Therefore, yeah. yes. Handle it. Yeah, of course. Like, yes, that's a horrible thing. That's a horrible thing. Yes. That doesn't mean you cover up. And I think that's the difference here. Like, Mila and Ashton, as far as anyone knows, and no one's accused them of covering up for Danny. Exactly. And not, yeah, doing a character statement is speaking to what you know and end of story. That's all you're doing. You're not making assumptions beyond that and you're not... Uh, yeah, it's it's just a character statement, you know. So they're right. not that that yeah. 
Kathy Griffin. She just likes to. <laughs> I know. Griffin. What is it anyway? I don't yeah, remember. Griffin. Whatever. Yeah. Who cares? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, and another follow-up news story. I don't think I actually talked about this on the show, but um, in 2018, maybe you all saw HGTV purchased the original home that was used for the Brady Bunch set. Oh, okay. Did you not know this? So I didn't know they purchased it. I think I recall it being for sale. Yes. But, okay. So, um they purchased HGTV purchased the home for three point five million dollars in twenty eighteen, and they did a little like season long series called a very Brady renovation. Oh, this does ring a bell. And they got cast members from HGTV shows, and they brought back the um, cast members from the Brady Bunch. You know, the ones that were still able and sure. Um, they did a whole renovation of this home to make the inside match the set of the show. I love this so much. It was amazing. And the really it's a really fun little, little season to watch. I, I don't know where you can stream it anymore, um, but check it out. HGTV, a very Brady renovation. It's super fun. But uh, they even had to like add an addition to the home because they in in the show it's like a two floor home right. but in real life it was like just like a split level or something or whatever so they had mm-hmm. to like add an extension and a renovation like it was a pretty big deal overhaul and then they found the old vintage pieces like it was amazing and cool what's really cool is the old cast members had their hand in it mm-hmm. too so they were there and they like just such a fun thing well then hgtv goes and lists the home for 5.5 million so 2 million more than they bought it for um but it wasn't selling and they ended up accepting a sale for 3.5 <laughs> for 2 million less so the original price oh no i'm so sorry let me re restate that cuz i got it a little wrong so yeah so they Listed it at 5.5. They sold it for 3.5. Okay. So they, they didn't make what they wanted. When they purchased it, it was 3.2. Okay. So got my it. number was wrong. So they, yeah, they didn't, like, I don't know why. They purchased it for 3.2, did all those renovations, and sold it for 3.5. Like, mm-hmm. I'm surprised they didn't go for more because it's now matching matching yeah. the set like it's a really cool almost like museum home now yeah but i guess the point being like that's a lot of money i mean it, you'd have to have a really big brady fan to want to sink that kind of money i don't know that's that's a that's a weird amount to me because it's like any huge huge celebrity what are they just gonna buy it and then like sit on it if they're not a huge brady fan that seems like a weird purchase and that's unattainable for a lot of people 3.5 million is a lot of money for most people totally but i just feel like i mean i or i don't know what you do with something like that just straight up turn it into a museum or or i really Uh, don't know because yeah what do you do live in it yeah i don't know well i have some kind of nostalgic news here so it seems like this is just the year of everything Elvis. I don't know. Between the um, Austin Butler movie that came out, I think, last year, and then, you know, with uh, Lisa Marie Presley dying earlier this year, and mm-hmm. Riley Keough and Priscilla in the fight over the estate. Now we have this movie coming out called Priscilla, and it's a, you know, biography essentially of Priscilla Presley and um, it just premiered at Venice Film Festival on September 4th and received a seven minute standing ovation whoa 
yeah, Priscilla was in attendance and she was moved to tears by the movie. Um, and it uh, is directed and written by Sofia Coppola. It'll come out in theaters October 27th. But it's interesting, um, Priscilla said, it's very difficult to sit and watch a film about you, about your life, about your love. Sophia did an amazing job. She did her homework. We spoke a couple of times and I really put everything out for her that I could. So, I mean, again, I, you know, we've talked about <laughs> Francis Ford Coppola and doing, you know, justice to his movies and Sophia Coppola being related. I think that it's really cool that she's got that, you know, approval. I yeah. think that's a big deal to have the approval of the person whose um, life yeah, you're I'll documenting. Say. But this popped up for me and it was just coincidental. I also saw a while back this story about Dolly Parton. And obviously uh, she had written the song, I Will Always Love You, which was you know recorded and made huge by Whitney Houston. Right. And uh, obviously Dolly recorded it too. But before it was Whitney's and you know, before Dolly recorded it, she had written it and um, Elvis wanted to record the yeah, song. Yes, I yeah, heard this. You heard this? Yes. Yeah. So Elvis wanted to record the song and Dolly was like, I no, I can't let it go. Right. I'm not going to, you know, sell Which it to Which is crazy because Elvis would have made it huge. Absolutely. Like, yeah. I mean, he was Elvis. Yeah. Like, what do you, do? you know, how do you compare to that? Thank you. Even if you're Dolly, like Elvis is still a big deal. So, you know, saying no to that was a big, Big thing. Thank you very much. Well, it's interesting because um, she had shared that he had a connection to the song, you know, and even though she turned him down, he still really loved it. Well, uh, not very long ago, I guess, it's almost 50 years old now, not very long ago, Dolly had talked to Priscilla Presley mm -hmm. and she said, you know, Elvis sang that song to me when we walked down the courthouse steps when we got divorced. Oh my god! Isn't that so sweet? I don't really truly know a ton about Elvis and Priscilla's relationship. Just the glamorized photos I've seen of it. Yeah. And that's basically it. Um, but I just thought that was like such an interesting tie-in. Because yeah. it's such a sweet song. And you know, I, I don't know. I mean, nobody likes divorce. But it seems that even some divorces end kind of kind of sweet. And, yeah. You know, I don't know. Still love there, you know. I love that. That's really sweet. Uh, still speaking of music and calling back to things we discussed previously, I mentioned that there were rumors of NSYNC getting back together. Oh, and yeah. sure enough, VMAs earlier this week, they performed as yes. NSYNC. I so did what do hear you know? about that. Yeah. And they presented Taylor Swift with an award. Oh, did they? Yeah, and oh. she got really, like, you know, emotional for Taylor, which... Sure. If you buy it, whatever. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> you know, she was like, I mean, you guys are pop, you know, whatever. Dirty pop. Yeah, she was... It was it was cute. It was a cute little nod yeah. to, you know... Yeah, would, would Taylor have a career if NSYNC didn't walk so she could run? Who knows, you know? But oh, is that the... No, I just okay. mean, like, she, she was basically like, you know, you guys are, you know part of the you know pop golden movement. age of pop this is how it began kind mm, of okay. in this realm so it was cute yeah it's worth that a watch nice. but then they've been posting cryptic things on their social media too yeah. NSYNC has and they've released merch with some of their old lyrics on it so well and I think I saw somewhere that um oh gosh what's his name Justin Timberlake released like a little piece like a little clip of like a recording of something new even 
something. Oh. Yeah, I don't know. So we'll see what happens with them. When anyway, we come back, we have a new take on something. We're going to do a blind reaction to a video. So stay with us. Well, we are coming back with something a little different than we have done before. So it's been suggested that uh, we we try just blind reacting because typically what happens is Emily and I separately do some research. We come prepared with our own topics to discuss on the show. And then we're, we're blind to each other's information, but we... One of us always knows what we're talking about. And sometimes we both know anyway because yeah. we follow the same information. Right. But um, it's been suggested that maybe it would be kind of fun if once in a while we did something as a blind reaction. So neither of us know what this topic is, but we're going to just react to what's in front of us. So um, I found this clip from Brett Cooper's podcast through the Daily Wire, which is called the comments section. And she had an episode where she had Chris Williamson on. And Chris Williamson, I follow separately. Um, he's a podcast host of the Modern Wisdom podcast. And he's been on Joe Rogan. He's had Jordan Peterson on his podcast. He focuses kind of on, um, on, on men and how men can improve their lives and what motivates them and yada yada but I mean he obviously there's tangents off of that right. but I just I think he's kind of interesting so the the clip that I pulled is called stop it why is Gen Z filled with negativity with Chris Williamson so we're gonna play the clip and neither of us have heard this yet and then we're gonna just react to their conversation and weigh in with our own thoughts Emily sound good let's do it all right here we go I think, you know, fundamentally when it's when it's coming to men, men are struggling mm -hmm. and nobody cares. And I think the problem is that people just fundamentally don't have that much sympathy for men. If any other group was struggling, we would say, what can we do to fix society? Yep. But if men are struggling, we say, what are men doing that they can't fix themselves? Welcome back to the comments section. I'm Brett Cooper. I obviously am not here alone today. I have a special guest, Chris Williamson. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me. So Chris, have you heard of doomers. I'm British, yes. Okay, <laughs> what does that mean? We're known for being a little bit dour. Do you know okay. what I mean? You've, you've brought in someone British to talk about doomers. I feel like this is my special subject. I had to pull up the Urban Dictionary definition of doomer because I wanted to make sure that I was getting the internet speak right for this. But a doomer is a person with a pessimistic outlook on life. A doomer feels a sense of helplessness and aimlessness and is often sickened with a deep despair for life. Life is meaningless and the world is inevitably doomed by humanity's ignorance and greed. And then the thing that I think of most when I think of doomers outside of British people, I guess, is the, <laughs> the Wojak meme of the doomer, which I'm sure you guys have all seen. I think it came out a few years ago on 4chan. But just so that we are all on the same page, let's watch a video breakdown 
of these internet doomers, even though obviously Chris already knows everything because he's British. They post, none of this matters. The world is run by people who don't care and there's nothing to do but shut down and slowly wait for everything to erupt into flames. The term is typically associated with depressed far right-wing men in their 20s since the meme originated on 4chan, but we've increasingly seen doomer ideology spread to broader groups in society. Doomer is suffering from his knowledge and is all too painfully aware that the world is unfixable, we're all living on borrowed time and nothing matters. So it's basically, taking the black pill. It was interesting because I didn't know that this was originally a right-wing thing because I have always thought of it as a left-wing thing. What I see right now in the media is the climate crisis is, mm. you know, ruining Gen Z. Gen Z is now diagnosed with climate depression and climate anxiety. There's no hope. Why would we have children? Okay, well, first off, uh, thoughts about doomerism. Have you heard this term? So not exactly. I, I've heard it, but I've never looked into it. I didn't know the proper definition or what like sect of people were considered doomers really yeah i hadn't either um i i've also i've never watched brett cooper's show nor have i ever even heard of chris williamson so this is a <laughs> lot of like kind of new stuff except what a doomer actually is is not a new concept like when you know brett was just kind of describing it before they even pulled that other clip in it was a very relatable thing she was talking about. But then as they continued talking, it, it felt a little more exaggerated. Yes, I do hear this kind of mentality a lot, a lot from people of our generation um, even. And I, I mean, I guess I'm a little more in that Gen Z crowd age yeah, bracket wise. Cusper. Yeah, but yeah, a lot of people definitely are of the mind that what's the point of having kids when... You know, I don't want to bring them up in this world, you know, and in, mm -hmm. in that kind of just what's the point attitude. Or it's bad for the climate. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Which is a thing that I never, ever think about on my own. <laughs> like the climate, quote, unquote, climate crisis does not concern me because right. I just don't think that there's anything human can do to affect that one way or another so i don't buy into that as like a a, a climate depression but i i have heard that yeah before. so and then yeah brett goes on to say that hey i've always associated this with kind of the left-wing folks but i guess it is it, it apparently is more of like a red pill kind of thing or whatever i guess originated said. there yeah but um because yeah if in in terms of like if if, if it were a left-wing person that were having these thoughts and feelings, it would be, you know, oh, climate change, and I don't want to bring someone into the world that's going to, you know, affect that and make it worse. Like, they're going to think of something like that, the world, the climate, whatever. Mm -hmm. I think the perspective of probably the conservative people is more societal. Like, I don't want to, if, if a conservative-minded person would, say I don't want to have kids I don't know if I want to have kids like it seems so miserable right now mm -hmm. to even attempt to raise a human in this society I think that that would be that perspective same conclusion of in this example of doomer doomer isn't only not having kids this is just the thing I'm honing in on in that example they would maybe both come to the conclusion I don't want to start a family but they would have two different reasons two yeah. different feelings of hopelessness Mm -hmm. And I would relate to that conservative perspective, if either, which is that it seems too daunting to fight this society in the decline that it's taking. 
Right. Like, where do you send your kids to school? Yeah. Because everybody's a pedophile and mm-hmm. yada, yada. It's how easy do you go f- down that rabbit hole. Yeah. How do you find any food that's like good for you? You right. know, right. everything's poison. Yeah. Okay. I'm curious to see what Will or Chris Williamson has to say about this. Mm-hmm. Is of doomerism, I think there's the sort of right wing slash manosphere concern. And then there's the left wing climate change. This is also going to take us to hell. I got this uh, idea that I wanted to teach you about. Okay. The cynicism safety blanket. Cynicism is a guarded response which sets yourself up against disappointment. Its role within the system is to protect you against experiencing anything bad. It is a preemptive strike against a perceived threat. If I tell myself that all women are bad, then I'm less likely to seek a relationship with women, and as a consequence, I'm never going to feel the pain of rejection. If I tell myself that everything is shit, or that things will never get better, then I'm excused of ever having to try it anything. The cope is framing hope as pathetic and embarrassing, and optimism as delusion. The upside of never trying is never having to feel the pain of failure. Okay, yeah, that's a good framing, I think, that uh, cynicism security blanket, is that what he called it? Yeah, and I mean, that's just absolutely true. It's absolutely true. But I do think there's something to this that, I mean, I know they haven't specifically explicitly said this, but I do think that this is primarily a male issue. I think that men are experiencing this at far higher rates than women do. I think just inherently women are more likely to like want to try and care about that and men get get isolated and and you know blanket themselves and protect themselves from things like this and therefore get cynical and get nasty and get mean and you know um turn that like outward you know they they seclude themselves right all these basement dwelling you know Mm -hmm. video gamer types that are you know trolling the reddit threads and 4chan which i haven't even heard in like a decade i've never heard that in my life yeah because you'd never (laughs) be on it it's for dorky boys in basements yeah that's who's on 4chan (laughs) yeah and that's sorry listeners out there if that's who you are (laughs) but they're not because they they wouldn't be listening to our show (laughs) and i think it's interesting though because i do think that there's an element of this that's like well why is why is nobody reaching out to those those guys? Why are we not helping them in some way to be like, you know, what? it's not embarrassing to try, though. It's way more embarrassing to just like live in a state of suffering that's self-inflicted somewhat, but also just, you know, an acceptance of like things are never going to get better. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, if we're talking like specifically, say, about relationships and this concept of building a successful family and kind of on that train or something. I do think it's definitely harder for men because the expectations are on them mm-hmm. to even start that interaction with a woman. True. Whereas women, we can, you know, even if we're having an unsuccessful stage of our life in relationship world, we still always know, like, I mean, unless you're a terrible person or something, but you know that the guys are going to come to you and and you don't really have to do the work. So like I could be in a hopeless feeling and and whatever, but like I don't really have to get myself out of it as much as a guy would have to get himself out of it because a guy's still going to approach me. That's true. But a guy has to get himself out of that funk first before he's going to approach someone. So it is, it is easier for them to get stuck. I'm imagining because yeah if they don't do anything about it they stay stuck they stay down well not to mention this whole conundrum that we have right now which is that and i'm gonna get these numbers wrong but it's something like 70 percent of women want a guy to approach first 
or but but then also like some disproportionate number of Gen Z women in particular feel that any stranger approaching you on you know for whatever reason Mm -hmm. is a form of assault and it's like okay well so guys want to be assertive women want that they're not going to come up to guys and make the first move but guys are afraid to do it because they feel like they're gonna get you know me too'd like i wonder though is that really like a gen z concern or is that more like the generation above them so millennials so like millennials yeah or maybe that cusp in between like me yeah um and i wonder just because i feel like gen z almost has their own new way of communicating that kind of strays from the norm that you just described like i almost feel like gen z has a you know they really use all their platforms and their social media and all these different little ways to kind of connect with each other in that they don't really have to deal with or consider that feeling of oh what if a guy approaches me what a creeper like it's it i feel like it's a little more nuanced for them more than ever in the way that they get to like maybe but i wonder what that's going to translate to because they're not you know settling down age yet for the most part right so we don't yeah we don't know what that looks like what the what's the result of this right does that mean that yeah you had a high school boyfriend because you know a friend of a friend messaged you dm'd you via instagram and like never had to approach you at a friend's party right like they haven't had to deal with like you know, everybody thinks maybe that they're going to maybe meet someone in high school or college. And when you're in that bubble where it's easy to meet people. But yeah, what is this going to translate to if they find themselves single at 25? Then what's the communication looking like? Because it's it, it's going to maybe be a <laughs> right. little different. Because I feel like, unfortunately, there is like this fear of being approached by a person in person. But there's much less of a fear of being interacted with by a stranger online and so yeah. it's like well which of those is actually more more threatening, threatening? probably the stranger online i mean obviously right like imminent danger of people in person exists yes. yeah but i'm talking like you're at a bar you're out with friends some guy comes up to you and offers to buy you a drink probably a pretty decently safe scenario you know yeah but i feel like immediately people are Turned off by that. Yeah. Also, it doesn't happen, I don't think. It, it doesn't. From yeah. my experience, if you're wondering, it doesn't. <laughs> well, okay. Let's see what Brett has to say. And obviously, being online is such... It just makes everything worse because I had one comment here that I thought it just hit the nail on the head. Yes, I realize the biggest reason the world is going to is because we are now flooded with global suffering and chaos through the internet. Most of this stuff was already happening before the internet opened our eyes. I miss my ignorant childhood. And it's like the snowball effect mm. where you feel like your life is hard and you're experiencing thing in your day-to-day life and then you go online and it's even bigger and it's like, oh my God, this is so awful because people are just spending their entire lives online, you know, listening to doomsday things or, you know, you're watching girls on TikTok say they hate you or whatever it is. Think about it this way. The stories that get the most attention online by design are the most egregious ones, Yes. right? They're the ones that are the least representative because a guy went out to get milk and he came back and he found his wife in bed with the postman and the postman's mm-hmm. dog. And now he, she's taken everything he's worth and his left leg and he's got gluten intolerance and he lives underneath a bridge. Like that's <laughs> the story yeah. that will catch the most attention. It'll get a hundred thousand upvotes on Reddit yep. because it's insane. Yep. Okay, well, I have some thoughts about that, but we'll talk about it when we come back. So stay with us. Talk to you. Magazine on 
Nick Schroer. Hey, this is Nick Schroer for River City Tree Service. I know a lot of storms came through the area, St. Louis County, St. Charles County, and beyond. And here recently, our producer, Phil, had a bunch of limbs down, causing chaos, you know, possibly damaging some stuff he didn't want to get into. So we called River City Tree Service. They came right out. They're in the Baldwin area, but serving everywhere from St. Louis County, St. Charles County, and beyond. They are the ones to use. Visit them, RiverCityTreeService.com. Call them at 314-270-8071, 314-270-8071. If you have any tree servicing that you need done promptly, they will get out and make your life a lot easier. RiverCityTreeService.com, RiverCityTreeService.com. Talkative. Magazine on air. Oh, what an underrated song. Well, underrated where I come from, which is <laughs> the younger generation. <laughs> this is true. I don't know what the older folks think of it. But uh, speaking of younger generation, Anna and I are doing a live reaction to a clip from Brett Cooper's show. She has Chris Williamson on as a guest. They're discussing the concept of doomers and I guess men in society and, and kind of this experience that they're having that we aren't talking about. So let's get back to it, Anna. See what we got. Talkative. Because it's insane. Yep. But people who don't spend enough time in the real world live most of their life vicariously through the internet. Mm -hmm. So what do they think about the real world? And this is why going out, I know that you're a big fan of touching grass. Exactly. Like going out, touch grass people. <laughs> going out and touching grass really is a great redress to this. I really want to try and nudge this in the other the other direction. I've come up with this idea of uh, toxic positivity. Okay. I'm, I'm trying to do as much toxic positivity as I can, which is trying to see the white pill in everything. And this, you know, we're going to talk about this, uh, another video that you're going to bring up. For every person that thinks that the world is ruined, mm -hmm. there is an opportunity to separate yourself out from everybody else that thinks the world is ruined and the bar's never been set lower. That's a good way to put it. Should we watch that now? This is called Origin of a Doomer. Okay, I should just narrate what we just watched. It was a weird, weird, like, meme animated video with no words. And basically, this girl is standing at a bar, and, like, some dude looks over at her and smiles, and it looks like she smiles at him. And then a football mm. dude comes across the screen, and it turns out she's smiling at the football dude, and he gets the girl, and then... The, it looks like it's about to spiral. For well, the yeah, it looks like the dude that thought the smile was directed at him is now stalking the couple on Facebook. Mm. Like, what could have been? You know, no one ever likes me. No, that's what it looks man, like. that's really, I'm sure, common. I think, okay, so I think Chris Williamson is, I like what he's saying. I think he's exactly right about, okay, basically, the to summarize the phenomenon that we're talking about, it's uh, like male loneliness male depression and male hopelessness uh, in the mm -hmm. generation that should be uh, becoming men right now or should be men already, right? So yeah. under 30, um, mm, I, over I would, 18. Yeah, I would say it even crosses the 30 threshold. Yeah, it probably does. Um, yeah, I mean, sure, surely it does. So, and what basically what he's saying, I think, just to get the most out of, of, it, of it is... Okay, so so every once in a while you see these articles that are coming up more and more lately. That's kind of what this uh, you know this interview here is that you're that you're showing. You see these articles about like we don't give enough attention to male uh, the male psyche. 
you know, the, mm-hmm. the male is lonely, the male is abandoned, the male is told that it's his fault. Everybody else is told that it's not their fault, uh, their sadness, right? Yeah. And basically, he's just saying, um, don't don't worry about that. Don't worry about any of, of what people are telling you to like to tell you to feel better. Just go out and do better, and you'll feel better, right? Well, I mean, and that's I've how also, you can, you know, that's that's the touch grass thing. Is just go out and do something. Well, and also like this idea that we should be happy all the time. It's not like we just wake up happy necessarily. I think we have to make a conscious effort to choose more positive thoughts sometimes. And that's not a wrong thing. I just think that like he's like, I need, I'm making a point to keep myself positive when it could be very easy to just go with a negative thought or perception of a scenario. Mm-hmm. That is easier. No, that's but cynicism is, is easier. It is but interesting though, because he, he said something that they kind of glossed over, although I imagine he's going to circle back, which is that the bar has never been lower. So if you do just the bare minimum, you know, like just open the door for somebody, you know, yeah. like how, completely noticeable that is when something like that happens to you when you have an interaction and somebody says thank you or if you ever watch somebody like some man open a car door for his girlfriend or his wife and you're like oh wow what a gentleman and you're like that that didn't take anything that didn't take anything people used to take this for granted and now you do that one small thing and suddenly you're on a pedestal like can you imagine taking advantage of that like, if, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean, like, if if all these people that are, all these men particularly, that were sitting in, you know, the dark and crying, boo-hoo, what was me, no girl likes me, you know, it's not worth it, relationships are hopeless. If they just tried one thing, like, what an improvement that would make. It's, it's interesting. I'm actually reading this book right now at uh, the recommendation of, Um, some friends and it's called Atomic Habits by James Clear. And it's basically just like if you make small improvements over the course of a year, if you make a 1% improvement, Mm -hmm. you know, like what a difference that makes overall, you know, it's, it's like you don't give yourself credit for doing, you know, I have these lofty goals and I'm not accomplishing the goals, but if I'm doing even one tiny thing every day, that's moving me toward that goal, then ultimately I'm, I'm improving. And that is noticeable over time. And suddenly there's a threshold that you break through of, you know, okay, well, this wasn't noticeable. This wasn't noticeable. This wasn't noticeable. But now it is like right. now all of a sudden there's some big thing that happens that is like, oh, I used to say I wasn't athletic, but I've been going to the gym every day for, you know, three months for even if it's only for 30 minutes. And now all of a sudden, you know, I'm more flexible or I'm whatever, you know. Yeah, yeah, of course. I think it's really interesting. Yeah. And I think, well, maybe there's like two different ways to, to jumpstart that. One is maybe like this mentality of, if I just do it in that, if I don't give myself too much pressure, it doesn't have to be an hour every day. But if, if I just do this thing, I'll see that difference. Let me just power through this state of mind of not wanting to do it and do it because I know mm-hmm. I'll feel better. Um, but maybe another another place to start would be just the, the perception idea. Like, you know, because some things in life that you struggle with every day or whatever that keep you feeling like hopeless about things or scrolling on your phone are also just like having a negative perception of things. So if True. you just shift your mindset and start thinking more positively or looking at the bright side or doing something 
in internal like that, that could also be a place to start. Those are two different kind of perceptions of this yeah. scenario, the physical, the active, but also just like the internal. Yeah, no, I agree. Okay, so they just watched this video. I want to see what they have to say yeah. about it. The, the making of a doomer, I think is what they were calling it. The couple just fading out of the car seat. It's so good. like choke a necklace red flag <laughs> automatically <laughs> okay so here's what's happening at this point in the video the the loser guy that didn't get the girl um now works at mcdonald's he sees you know like the couple through the drive through mm -hmm. window yeah. that gets him feeling bad then he like m you know he's now looking very distraught and smoking and yeah see some emo I mean, looking he girl spirals. <laughs> like he, he, he fixates on that situation that happened and allows that to become his identity and just rolls with this i'm a loser or i spiral into depression yep and and what does he become he becomes a loser <laughs> yeah okay so to fit to wrap up the video real quick what the they just saw uh he you know was with this emo girl and then he goes to the door with flowers he again looks like a train wreck and he sees that there's some like studly dude in her, you know, room that's oh, that was in the background. Okay. So, you know, self-fulfilling prophecy is what I think it is. Yeah. <laughs> Here's what Brett's got to say. Oh, you know, in my personal life, I know a lot of guys like this that feel like they have fallen behind, that the rest of the world is, you know, moving on at a faster pace, whether it's, you know, career wise, relationship wise. And I think that that, you know, happens more with men and due to men's personalities, that is probably, that feeling is extrapolated, I would say. But I also think, you know, feeling like you're falling behind at different points of your life, like that is part of the human experience. But I do want to read some of these comments with you. Like somebody said, damn, this hits way too hard. I'm an almost 30 year old guy. I'm having a hard time accepting that this world ain't exactly what my heart expected. Somebody else said, I wake up feeling meaningless with nothing to do but the same routine. I feel like I will never be loved again the way that I once was loved by the love of my life. We aren't together anymore. And it hurts my heart every single day. It's driven me to a really dark point in my life. I honestly just want to be gone for good. Somebody said, relates to me a lot. It is really hard when all your friends get married and have kids and move on. You're happy for them, but it's still tough. It feels like life is moving on without you. So as a man, what what is, what, and this is why, where you're here, Chris, what do men do? What is there for them to do in a society where, you know, toxic feminism exists and many women, you know, think that they hate straight men, then what do they do? Well, yeah, I think first off, realizing that the world isn't necessarily out to get you. It's not like they care about you, but it's the fact that they don't care that is the problem. It's tough, man. Like, you know, you, one of the things that came up there was dating. Yep, and one obviously. of the challenges was men um, struggling to approach and struggling to be recognized by women. Mm -hmm. So there's an interesting set of stats that 86% of women say that they want a man to make the first move. 50% yep. of men are scared of making the first move for being seen as creepy. Interesting. And 20% of Gen Z mm -hmm. say that a man approaching a woman in person always or usually constitutes harassment. So you have a very difficult circle to square Wild. here. Yeah. Okay, well, that's the that's the stats I was getting wrong that he had readily available in front of him. <laughs> but here, I'm going to let him finish. You have women who still want to be approached. Mm -hmm. You have men who know that if they don't approach, nothing's going to happen. Yep. But if they do approach, they're scared of being seen as creepy. Mm -hmm. They're concerned that they're going to either upset this girl or that they're going to be part of some Me Too scandal, which yep. isn't good. And then you have a societal pressure. Lots of men are checking out mm -hmm. of the world. And yeah, you know, we need to ask 
not just why aren't men opening up about this? What can they do to fix themselves? But structurally, how can we actually help men? And I think that a huge thing is that so many of these systems are against men, whether we're talking about, you know, family court, divorce court, now with affirmative action and, you know, applying for jobs where a company would, you know, be much happier giving the job to a woman because then they get to say, oh, we hired a woman for this role. It's like Save structurally- the lady in the tallest seat. Exactly. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I mean, I think that, again, that's, that's difficult. I think so much of the problem with that particular scenario, with the, you know, how do we, figure out this dating thing is that women have got to wise up right we talked about this several episodes back several weeks ago about that liberal woman who was you know bemoaning the fact that she could not find a man to treat her like the woman in a relationship unless she was dating a conservative man and she didn't want to date a conservative man because she didn't align with his values right and it's like we've been brainwashed women uh, i mean there i saw a study that was something like you know boys teenage boys are trending more conservative than ever at the same time that young girls are trending more liberal than ever so there's a huge divide in what's going on and how do we remedy that because those those boys that will be men that want a you know wife and a partner and to settle down and they want to provide uh are coming up blank when there's no women that want to fulfill that role or haven't realized it until they're too old and it's too late. Yeah, what is it? Just that like people are realizing it too late but the damage has been done. I think there's a lot of that. interactions that took place when they were all in their teens and early 20s like gave them this hopeless outlook now, the guys and such, so that when the girls finally figure out that, oh, oh, I think I do want that kind of guy. Uh, they're harder to come by. The guys are done trying. Like they're kind of defeated, and, and yes. like the timing is wrong because women weren't, you know, ready to to be the woman in a relationship until they got older or something. And I think it's difficult too, particularly when we're talking about the first connection, the approach, the introduction. Um, I think the rules. How they don't exist anymore you know like there used to be mm-hmm. the obvious rules of the guy approaches the guy asks you out he picks you up you know all this stuff mm-hmm. and we've broken that down and told everyone that those aren't the rules you can do whatever you want and that's a shame because I do think that rules need to be there structure and expectations need to be there now we don't know anyone's expectation that's now true. we don't know okay does she want me to text her? Does she want me to call her? Does she want me to pick her up? Is she going to think I'm creepy? Like yep. all the rules have just shattered and nobody knows what the person's expectation is on the other end of the phone or that they're talking to at that bar, who, wherever they find each other. We don't know the person's expectation. We don't know when they do something, what it means. And there's all these now extra nuances and things to get confused about. And it's just impossible. It's very daunting. And it's just another layered element to make these connections feel hopeless. It does. Well, I don't have any, you know, grand solutions here, but I think that if we're going to talk about what's happening to men, it starts with where did we teach our women wrong? What happened to our girls and how are we leading that? Honestly, I I feel similarly. Um, I think, yeah, it's great to be cautious. It's great to be smart, but, but it's, it's such a it's such, such a sticky topic, you know. We don't know. We don't want to be too trusting at the same time. But 
Well, guys, that's it for us this week. Stick with us next week, and we'll get into some more interesting topics. Maybe do another reaction video if you like this, and stay around for Ken Kruger up next. You come and hold me. It's you and me. Magazine on Sarah. This is S R one.